0: Asia Tech Podcast with Graham Brown and Michael, Waits. and Michael Waits. Hi, this is Michael Waits from Asia Tech Podcast Stories, and I'm with Sujari Shu, who also goes by POM. She's the managing director of both Thailand and Hong Kong for Crimson Education. Good morning.
1: Good morning, Michael.
0: And where are you this morning? Are you in Thailand or are you in Hong Kong today?
1: I'm in Hong Kong at the moment. So, yeah, the weather's nice. It's a gorgeous day today in Hong Kong.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, we've come into November in Thailand as well. So, you know, you can actually wake up in the morning here. You know this, right? And it can be Mm -hmm. 20 degrees.
1: Yeah, in Hong Kong right now, it actually can get pretty chilly in the morning. It's just absolutely gorgeous. Best time of the year. (laughs) It really
0: is. So I have this joke with my friends. It's actually not much of a joke that I want to spend, like, with unlimited resources, right? November, December, Mm -hmm. January, February, March in Bangkok. That's, like, Mm -hmm. my dream. And then... Where am I? Feb- March. So April, May, June, <laughs> and July in the south of France. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that sounds like a great plan. I think I, I would love to do that at some point.
0: And then August, December, September, and October maybe in like Okinawa in Japan. But yeah, anyway, that's, that's my goal. That's what I'm working towards.
1: That's good. That's a, that sounds like a really good plan. <laughs> I, I would love that plan too. Maybe I'll copy you at some point.
0: Please do. Um, yeah. I think your family would like it as well. Where, yes. um, wh- where are you from originally?
1: So I'm originally from Thailand, you know, brought and bred there. Um, right. Grew up pretty much in Thailand all the way to high school, actually. So, you know, I consider myself 100% Thai, although I'm ethically Chinese, too. So, oh, but right. still considered myself 100% Thai from, from that sense.
0: Where did you go to high school?
1: Um, so I went to Thrimudom High School, which uh, is um, probably the best public high school in Thailand. So
0: it seems everybody so that I've seems- met, everybody <laughs> that I've met that have gone there has been wildly impressive, actually.
1: Oh, thank you. So I I don't think it's very um, you know contentious that Thrimudom is one of the best high school uh, in Thailand. It's a public school. It's a very large school, about four thousand plus students across just. Three grade years, so you know, oh, in each wow. class, it's a yeah, it's a huge school. So each class is about a, a thousand plus students per class, actually per per grade year.
0: Right, but if it's that many students per grade year, what does that mean from a classroom size?
1: Oh, it's huge. So um, you know, our classrooms is approximately fifty students per class.
0: Wow, that'll get really interesting when we talk when we start talking later about Crimson and specifically, right? Because. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was in, so I, when I where I went to college, small college, right? And I also went to a pretty small high school. My classes were, you know, 25 kids.
1: Yeah. So I I I don't think I've been to any class smaller than, you know, 40, 50 up until I went to the U.S. So, you know, it's definitely a huge shock for me to go from, um, I, mean, I guess I should save it for later.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's, you can talk about it whenever you want. But this is interesting to me, right? So how do you get, what's the inspiration for you? Mm. For getting, you know, from high school in Bangkok, a pretty big high school, to mm. you ended up studying university at Harvard, right?
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: So what was like, what was the inspiration there? And what was the difference? Like Harvard itself is not small, but mm. I presume at some point the classes got a little smaller, right?
1: Yeah, so I so you know, I actually did went to uh, a prep school called phillips Academy Andover uh in the US for a year as well. So that's like the most distinct difference. But maybe I'll backtrack and you know, just tell you a little bit more Please. about how I get there, right? So, um, you know, I was a typical high school student. I you know, I study well, was kind of, you know, among the top students in my class, yeah. but never yeah. like that like number one student if, in that sense, if you know what I mean. I know
0: exactly uh, what you mean. Because <laughs> I was so, there too. I was pretty good, but I was not the valedictorian of my high school class. Yeah.
1: Right. Exactly. So I was kind of like that kid who, you know, sat like you know, did really well, um, do a bunch of things, just you know, kind of considered quite an activity kid for a math and science students. Because you know, in Thailand or Asia in general, there's a stereotypical like nerdy kid right. who study math and science. I am the nerdy kid studying math and science, but at the <laughs> same time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I am I I was I guess. Um but at the same time I kind of loved doing activities and I was doing like a bunch of random stuff. You know, I was in a, kind of the cheerleading, I was in a speech competition, I was doing all sorts of clubs. Um I I was I played chess, I played go. Um you know, number of things. Um but why did I decide um I think it started being with my parents planting seeds. I think way back in middle school.
0: In middle school. Uh,
1: yeah, um I think my my mom just kind of starts saying like, "Oh, have you heard of these universities?" you know, like <laughs> Harvard, like Cambridge, like Oxford, <laughs> Stanford, Yale, you know, so on. And I just said, "Oh, no, but you know, this sounds pretty cool." She showed me some pictures. Um and I was like, "Oh, that looks pretty. Uh, you know, that's kind of cool." And then she's like, "Would you like to study there someday?" I'm like, "Yeah, definitely." Um and I remember what like, we talked about it in the car in a Bangkok traffic jam on a rainy day. I, I know for some reason that scene like stuck in my mind. Right. I remember exactly like when and where and how. And I look out the window and there's like McDonald's out there with you know the McDonald guy standing right. smiling in the front. That's kind of kind of I feel like it symbolized America for me. Um, so that's that funny. So when you're well. thinking
0: so when you're thinking about Harvard, you're thinking about Ronald McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That,
1: you know, in in a way, in middle school, when right. I really, you know, <laughs> don't understand much about America other than McDonald's and a few Hollywood movies. Right. Um,
0: I'm sad now, actually. <laughs> As an American.
1: <laughs> well, but I you understand. Know, yeah, I, I think you know, back then I didn't have too much exposure. Fair um, Right. So going to high school, my high school was very competitive, and, and the students. The teachers always push students to um, participate in a lot of competitions, um, and one of them being the um, the king scholarship or the, and the government scholarship that you know they the government or the king depends on which scholarships you
0: receive, right.
1: uh, you know, pay for your entire undergraduate education.
0: Regardless of uh, where, you, regardless of where you go, that's either inside the domestic or international.
1: Um. Well, mostly kids decide to go international um, you actually get to decide where you want to study in the world, anywhere in the world uh, for, at least for the King Scholarship and they will pay for it um, so you basically uh, there's actually different types of scholarships um, that you can apply for but you can apply for two only and the King Scholarship is basically uh, granted to only nine students in the entire country So nine it's nine students? right, wow. um, so five math and science students and five like, humanities, uh, and four humanities students. Um, and that break down to, like, hum, you know, humanity arts and humanity math students. So, um, so you, there's a nation, nationwide examinations and you can only pick two ex- uh, scholarships that you want to apply. So you either pick, you know, one, a King Scholar and another government scholarship, or you pick two different types of government scholarships that are basically granted by different ministries. Um, if you take the ministry scholarships, then you come back and work for ministry. It's so it's technically not a scholarship in a real right, sense, right? Right. So because you have to come back and work for that ministry, kind of payback. But but the King scholarships is special because it's a true grant. So you don't have to come back and work for anyone. You just kind of you know promise that you'll come back and work in Thailand to help the country, right, but that's, in that's... any capacity that you wish you want to do. Awesome. Um. So at the time because I was not a top student uh, my, my teacher actually said hey you know like to to increase your chance you might as well um, put down two government scholarships so you have more chance you know like don't waste a spot put in king scholarship you're not gonna get it you're not the <laughs> nice student of the country
0: thanks for your support
1: <laughs> yes no, but, and your you know, encouragement right um, but but she was actually not saying it in a very mean way no, I know, she was I know. she was genuinely like really want to maximize my chance of getting some scholarships, right? right. Um, and I came home and I told my mom that. And I said, you know what? I think my, my teacher's right. I'm going to just put on like two government scholarships in, in this slot. And she goes, no, if you don't get a King scholarship, I do not want you to take it because I don't want to, you know, narrow your career path. I don't want to narrow your career option. You know, you can do whatever. You, I want you to be able to do whatever you want, pursue whatever career you want to pursue. So you either get a King scholarship or you're not going to get it. So I said, okay, mom, is that what you want? <laughs> so, so that's what I did. I put King's Scholarship on, and you know, luckily my mom told me to do that because I, I ended up place number one wow. uh, and, and got the scholarship to go study uh, in the US, uh, which is the country of my choice.
0: Wow. But, and you didn't actually take the easy way out once you got to Harvard either, right? I mean, what no. did you study when you were there?
1: Yeah, so I studied applied math. And economics right. uh, so I actually start with engineering and um, and the story is I never want to be an engineer uh, but why I'm studying engineering because um, in Thailand there's this, this is a stigma that said like oh if you're smart you study science stuff you don't yep. you know that they give you like a logic thinking you can you have a very much better way of structure your opinion your thoughts and the way you do things engineering give you a, a good foundation um And, you know, don't go do like things like accounting because, you know, you're just going to end up being just a accountant, but you're not going to be manager. You're not going to be a company leader, CEO. You need a better foundation because Thailand is very restrictive in terms of how you can choose your major. And that has been told, taught to me since I was very young. So when I get to Harvard, I was like, well, you know, I like math. I like physics, engineering. That's what I'm going to do because I want to be a manager. I'm going to do engineering. <laughs> kind of mm-hmm. sounds like a convoluted way to, to go about your career planning. Um, I did that, and I realized, like, you know, I really don't like engineers because I really don't want to wire, like, two wires together or <laughs> build a robot. Or, you know, it, it's just, like, not my thing. Like, I, 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 like, every time there's a lab, like, all my classmates would stay behind. They were like, oh, so great. Let's see if we can make the robot flip. And then for me, it's like the minute we done our assignment, it's like, oh, gosh, I can't wait to get out of this place, of this basement. I just want to go
0: outside. But what was it about the math and science that you liked? Because this is something you said you were, in your words, right, that you were kind of nerdy anyway, or at least considered so. So what was it about the math that you liked so much to begin with? I understand the difference between math and engineering for sure, right?
1: Yeah, I, I like the theory. I like the concept of it. I like thinking. I don't like doing stuff i don't like putting robots together yeah fair I don't, enough. yeah i'm more like a dex person i'm not a lab person i can't i can't, I can't be in the lab i just don't like putting things together
0: okay with so my hands. i interrupted you so once you got out so did you do the same thing <laughs> when you were in university that you did when you were in high school in the sense that did you participate in a lot of external activities as well when you were in school
1: yeah i did so i think like um, it's really opened up my mind, right, in terms of um, the opportunities that was available. Um, obviously, you know, there's a lot not a lot of Thai students on campus when I was there. Um, still today, not a lot of, not less than like five to ten students in an entire Harvard undergraduate at any point in time, right? Really? So, yeah, I, would, I, I wish Harvard admissions listening to this and take more Thai students. Yeah, so please. do I.
0: If you're, paying, <laughs> if you're paying attention and you should be paying attention in Boston, please, please uh, fix that.
1: Yeah, because I think we do bring a lot of diversity. And, you know, I think being Thai, we're all very proud. Um, so I guess one of the main activities I was doing at Harvard is really being part of the Thai Harvard Thai Club. Got it. Um, because I felt like, you know, we need to represent the country. We need to kind of let people know about our country. I mean, I, I did get quite a number of insensitive questions.
0: Tell me, um, if you don't mind. Because I yeah. I... You know, after I've lived in Thailand for six years now, right? But remember, I've also lived in Asia for almost thirty. So I'm curious. Yeah. You know, my perspective on what it means to be Asian—I'm still an outsider to a certain extent, but is different yeah. than most Westerners. So I'm curious, like, what people were saying to you even today, because you know, it's two thousand and something, right?
1: Yeah, like I mean, when I went to school, it was like you know, quite a quite a while back. I think things have moved along since then with like hope, social media. Hope so. Uh, yeah, because when I went to Harvard, there's no social media. In fact, like, Mark Zuckerberg's still in class. So, you know.
0: <laughs> wow, okay.
1: Right. Oh, I mean, you know. So, basically, um, I, I got to Harvard and I think I had people ask me, like, oh, you know, like, if you go. I remember this one guy asked me, like, oh, if you go to Pad Pong, isn't that you can. Um, how much are the prostitutes there? Oh, my God. And I was shocked that he asked me that question. Oh, my God and you know i i, I think I would, it says
0: more uh, about i think it says more about him than it does about you to be fair
1: that's true but i'm just shocked that that's what people think of thailand right that yeah. like that's the first question he asked me about thailand um and i said you know i honestly do not know and he said come on you must know right everyone know and i was like wow like do people think that like it was that prevalent right
0: but- um but also, you know, here's the thing—he's missing as well. I don't know where he's from. Mm-hmm. I read—I don't like the question to begin with, first of all. But second of all, you know, there are certain things that goes on that go on everywhere in the world, regardless of you know, economic development or none. And, and I'm not saying I'm not making a value judgment about that either. But the point is, you could say, like, how about Times Square? How about downtown San Francisco? How about Los? Angeles? Like all this stuff happens everywhere in the world. And to sort of single it out as a defining thing about. Bangkok or Thailand, it just means misinformation on his side, to be fair.
1: Yes, I agree. I, I think I was angry to begin with. Yeah, I would that, be. And, and I was just kind of baffled. I don't know what to say. Um, but then reflecting on that, I was like, okay, well, we need to do a better job, like telling people about our rich culture, about our country, right? I mean, this was like probably the most kind of, Terrible questions I've i received, but there are some some of them are just genuinely like just people don't understand Thailand. Things like oh, you guys do ride right elephants because they yeah, see yeah. elephant in the pictures.
0: This is or, a big media problem, right?
1: Yeah, or like people think that um, Thai food is Chinese food with Chinese sprinkle on top. Right? You know, um, honestly, like my current husband used to thought that until he <laughs> met me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But he's Asian as well, correct?
1: And he's Asian as well, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, there was just a lot of kind of misunderstanding of of, of what Thailand is all about, of, of who we are, of what our culture is about. So, you know, I think that's why I spend probably in terms of activities outside classroom most of my time with the Thai club just because I felt that um, sense of, you know, the need that we need to kind of represent the country better. We need to kind of tell people, like, about us better. We need to people to understand, you know, our culture and who we are better. And, and, you know, that's the reason. Like, we run cultural events. We run, you know, um, study break where we provide Thai food, Thai tea. People love, it, people love Thai food. And then, truly, like, we explain to them, like, hey, guys, like, there's more to Thai food than, you know, Pad Thai or, like, you know, peanut butter. I, I mean, peanuts on, on anything that you can think of. Right, basically. and
0: how about this? How about Thailand is at least when it mattered, was the largest exporter of disc drives in the world and mm-hmm. is one of the largest producers of cars in the world and yeah. is the largest exporter of rice in the world. And and how about this too? How about there's less than 1% unemployment in Thailand?
1: Right. Everybody's we'll the, working. Yes, exactly. Or, you know, the fact that, you know, we have a very... Uh, friendly family-based value, or how you know the, um, the Buddhism value is it's kind of weaving into our culture, or how the fact that we actually have very open-minded when it comes to religion, you yeah. know, and that's our teaching. Right. You know, I I went to Catholic school as a child, and I have a Muslim friend who's you know attend the same Catholic school as I am, right? And then I went to Buddhism school. Like, do you not see that in other country? No. Whereas, like, there's a group of Muslim child attending a Catholic school alongside a Buddhist student, and we're all doing all different things, and the teachers are completely fine with that.
0: Imagine that happening in, in um, oh, I hate to say this, but my family's from Boston, so I can say whatever I want, but imagine that happening in Boston. Anyway. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think I think you're right. I think there's a really important responsibility, and I'll put myself in the same category as a resident of Thailand for over six years, and that is, there is a responsibility and frankly that's one of the reasons why we're doing this is mm. to give exposure to you know mathematicians and scientists and business runners and entrepreneurs so that the rest of the world can figure out that th- that their ignorance about what's happening not just in thailand but in the rest of southeast asia is an issue and needs to be resolved by getting more information from people like you and hopefully from people like i am as well it's really mm-hmm. important to me
1: yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's very important. And you know, we have all the resources now, all the tools now. I think it's just you know, it's almost like your responsibility on bo- responsibilities on both sides to share and to learn, right? To be open minded about absolutely. like learning about different cultures.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what other what 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 else did you learn when you were at Harvard besides math and science? In other words, when you came home, like, was your worldview different? And mm-hmm. and also, you didn't talk a lot about you went to Phillips, yeah. Yeah, I you, did. You didn't talk a lot about that because that's also um, boarding school, right? And that's interesting yeah. for – at that age, I always find boarding to be an interesting prospect, right? Still not a full adult but not really a kid as as well and in a different country. Like, What was that like?
1: Oh, the first month was really hard. And, you know, like Boston get dark, right, at 6, <laughs> 6 p.m. during wintertime. And you don't understand that were,
0: – Were you Exeter someone... Andover? I hate to ask.
1: Andover: Phillips Academy Andover. Got it.
0: OK, sorry to, sorry to make. That. For no. people that don't know the difference, <laughs> they won't understand the question, but for people that do, they'll get mad. so I, Yes, exactly. <laughs>
1: very, very strong.:: Bri- Because you, know,
0: you know when I went to college, right, if you asked, and a lot of the kids that I went to college with went to boarding school, if you said to them, "Where did you go to high school?" they wouldn't say, "Phillips Academy." They'd just say, "I went to Andover."
1: Oh, really? Or I went
0: to Exeter. Yeah, that, like, that was like, and remember, I was a poor kid, right? So I did not have the opportunity to go to boarding school. So Andover, to me, was a town.
1: Right.
0: So I didn't understand for a while what it meant, but no one ever said Phillips Academy. So it's very interesting to me just to, yeah, they go, I went to Andover. Because that was their way of saying, if you don't know, <laughs> then uh, too bad for you. But they were so proud.
1: I see. Because, like, kids from my school, when I was there, they would say, we, 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 you know, I, I, I'm i at PA, Stanford Phillips Academy. Yeah. Um, because there's actually another public school that had Andover in its name. Okay. We don't so know So just,
0: that,
1: <laughs> so just not to confuse people, we call it a PA Phillips Academy. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, technically anyway. <laughs> not to dwell too much on the no. It's just interesting. Marie. <laughs> um, so the, the I guess the question was um, what was know, it like?
0: You know, what school, like? Because you've never been away yeah. from home, right?
1: Yeah, I think that the first thing I noticed was no, I actually been away from home quite a bit. Um, okay. You know every. Every summer, um, my mom, my parents sent me to uh, different countries, pretty much to learn English and to learn how to live by myself. So I've been away um, many summers like already by then. So I'm quite independent to a certain extent that I don't feel you know worried about living alone. So what was the Um, hard
0: part then? You said the first month was really hard.
1: Yeah, but like I think the weather and the daylight saving was hard because it, <laughs> it 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 depressed me. I used to have sunlight twelve hours a day, and then I have sunlight like very short. So I didn't I didn't realize how much that affects my you know mental emotional yeah without it does, think setting. Down. Um I think having to go through the college application process in such a crunch timeline oh, without man. any basics, foundation was very crunched, was very hard. Um, you know, if you're not familiar with U.S. application, right, like, you know, kids start preparing, start grade 9, and this, you know, start doing the SAT, grade 10, grade 11. By the time they're senior, they're pretty much done, and, uh, you know, in the final stretch, they're working on the essays, finish up the applications, take a few tests that they're still uh, outstanding. Right, and they do that over a period of two to three years. I had this, I literally have six months. I land a PA, you know, um, around... Um, actually it's cloud start in August, September, but I fly, I I flew to US in June okay. and the application due in December. So six months to get everything together, right? Um, including all the tests, SAT and SAT two tests. I basically have one shot at every test.
0: Did you the, do it, did you do any test prep as well? Like did you I ever said, take a PSAT or did you do like a Kaplan course or any of that kind of stuff?
1: Okay, so I never know about SAT until oh, I, I got the scholarship.
0: That's right? what I need to know. Okay. Yeah. So nice. no,
1: it was like um it was a massive preparation that I have to do uh, at the time to to get ready for all this standardized testing at the same time adjusting to a new classroom because I used to like 50 kids in the class we all just kind of listen take notes and right. most of the time don't pay attention <laughs> and you know because 50 kids like you know yeah, the teachers could... just kind of stand in the front and you right. can do whatever um, as long as you don't make too much noise or make a teacher notice that yeah. you don't pay attention yeah I um, feel, at, 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 you know, IPA. You, you really can't because there are ten kids in the class.
0: Is it really ten?
1: Most of my classes are, and, and granted, I I, I took um, advanced class for all my classes by the time I was there, right? Because I was in senior year, so most of my classes are ten students or less. Some are six, some are five. My physics class only have five students, um, and we sit in this little cir- like little table, like in circle. You um, can't escape in <laughs> a <the> T-shirt,
0: right? <laughs> you, yeah, you can't make noise like you can in a class of. You can't disappear like, excuse me, like you can in a class of fifty. With I, I went to school actually where there were five kids in class as well at some point. So it's, yeah, I, I, I liked it. I thought the learning was really intense, and I didn't mind it at all. But yeah, you can't hide for sure.
1: No, I loved it, but because it was so engaging in a very. Different, different way. way I, ne- yeah. I never, had like I never had that kind. Of, I never understand like oh, this is what it means to ha- to have a go- discussion in class. Right. I mean, we never had a discussion proper discussion in class, right? right? And you you were expect to speak up all the time, and you were the teacher will make you talk. The people, the teacher will ask for your opinion. And I was like, wow, oh, that was it means to like actually like have an opinions and then have proper discussion right. and. You know, and,
0: and exchange ideas uh, and like be right or be wrong or whatever, right? It just doesn't matter. But the exchange of ideas is really powerful.
1: Yeah, and then also not to you know to be able to kind of support your opinion with facts or with examples or how you make your point come across, right? And then I think that's for me it was like a, a, a huge learning, a huge learning opportunity as well in terms of you know how would you present your idea in the way that people would, would understand and right. in the way that people would take your point. Right? How you? How would you say, okay, here's my thought, and this is why? One, two, three, four. Like, I've never been taught to do that. And, you know, it was a big adjustment period, but it's something that, to me, was one of the skills that stay with me until today. One of the most critical, critical skills that, you know, I was so glad that they made me do that. And, you know, I start at, you know, PA, and then we at continue on at Harvard. Because I felt like without those kind of skills, I won't be here where I am today because I wouldn't know how to communicate with people properly.
0: Yeah, sorry. I'm just trying to get my head around this. So that year that you spent at Andover mm. was, what, there's a word for it in, in America, I can't remember, but it was like a PG year, right?
1: Yes, it's a called a post-grad year. Okay, I just yes, remembered, right.
0: yeah, it's a PG year. I hadn't thought about that. So that's actually really interesting too, and that's on purpose, right? That's to get you prepared. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, that's on purpose. I mean, I was not I was not ready to um, apply to any university at this point. Right. I, I I, don't have my application together. I don't have my test score. And not only applica- apply to the university, I was just not ready. My English is not there. My writing skills not there. My understanding of American culture is not there. Like I don't have a, a a framework. How would I behave among my peers? Or to, you know, how do I interact with my teachers? I don't have any of those kind of understanding or framework at all. So that year was critical for me to kind of learn that in an environment that extremely supportive and is small enough and have you know tremendous attention from the teacher and support from the teacher for me to make that transition.
0: What so. Um, What was your view on culture shock? Like, did you get, you'd been traveling anywhere, you said, every summer your Mm -hmm. parents had sent you somewhere,
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: but being somewhere permanently is different than being even on like a month long sort of learning trip somewhere. Did you sense any kind of culture shock besides the fact, and believe me, like I said, my family's from Boston, and I remember Mm -hmm. even when I was working in New York, it could Mm -hmm. get dark at five o'clock at night or earlier in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. And it's really, and, and Boston gets cold too. It never gets that cold in Thailand. Like, what mm-hmm. was the culture shock like? And, and how old were you? 17, maybe? 16? 17,
1: yeah, 17, 17 18. Um, culture shock was, um, you know, I felt that. Uh, the people are very independent. Thai people, Thai, especially Thai students, Thai girls like myself, we tend to kind of group together and do things as a group. And there's always kind of encouraged to kind of do things together. Okay. You know, uh, and I found American students are very independent. They just kind of go off doing their own thing, um, a lot more. Okay. Uh, I think the 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 individuality was a lot more, and that was good and bad because initially I felt a bit awkward I wasn't sure what to do um because I kind of don't have the group and I I there's no kind of kind of form group that I can kind of join right. because everyone's quite independent everyone's kind of have their own individual things to do um the other thing that I thought was like Thai people um we don't ask questions as a way of greeting I think that was my number one cultural shock
0: what does that mean what does that mean that's interesting to me actually
1: um, so you know, you 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 know, walk past someone, um, you know, in the school hall, in the hallway, and they say, "Hey, Pom, what's up? How are you?" Right. And I kind of, I literally stop and think, "Oh, you know, oh, I'm good. I'm trying to like, you know." <laughs> right. The you have to come I up open... with an
0: answer for that now.
1: Right. The the minute I open my mouth, they actually already walk past me. Right.
0: Because they're not con- they're not concerned with the the, the answer to that question. All they want to do is say hello. So it's a different way of addressing people. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it so much, but fair enough, right?
1: Yeah, be like, hey, how are you? Or, hey, what's up? That's a question, right? And the yeah. question me you, you're supposed to answer in, in, in my kind of cultural context. Right. Uh, but in the, you know, that's the first thing I found out. And the, initially, I thought people were kind of weird or inconsiderate. Like, why yeah. would they ask me how? And I'm
0: not answer how? and not listen, yeah.
1: Yeah, how are you if they don't really care to hear if I said, oh, I have a terrible day. Right. Right? Because you might have. Yeah, and and they already walked past me by, by the time I opened my mouth. So that was a cultural shock for me in terms of like, do they really care? Do they really like, you know... Because in Thailand, you, you, you're going to be going up to your friends, be like, hey, how are you going? And then you're going to really spend 10 minutes listening to like, the entire day. Right. <laughs> That's how we, you know. But in the U.S., it's not, not so much in, from that perspective.
0: Was it also the case that the other PG students were, had been at you know, Phillips Academy for the last few years anyway, and they just were tagging on an extra year so that they had already known each other too? I've done this. This is why I'm asking, right? Like, I switched mm. high schools in the middle. Mm. And when I was a junior and senior, all of the kids that were there had known each other literally since middle school. And mm. I was coming from Connecticut into Pennsylvania. It was just that adjustment to me was interesting. I didn't find it hard per se. Mm. But you know, I wasn't even there that summer. So when they came back to school, they were like, hey, remember that thing we did over the summer? And I didn't even have that. So I was wondering if you experienced that at all.
1: Um, I think because there's quite a large not large but like sizable groups of international students and also sizable group of PG students uh, right. who are new to the school. Not at okay. So yeah, so most of my friends are those students. I would say you're quite quite right with regards to um I don't get too much I don't make that many friends with um students who've been there for a long time who are like, you know, American per se. Like right. most of my friends are you know, fellow international students um who more I guess it's easier for me to adjust to them right. and, and, and get
0: identify to with them, yeah
1: yeah, so I think that for me that was kind of a bridge as well before I can kind of really become friends friends with people who you know grew up all their life in the u s uh, yeah
0: yeah, so mm. what was so you did all this prep work right to get mm. ready and basically catch up right because like you said. Mm. These kids had already gone through studying for the SATs, learning how to write applications, getting all this advice, right? And now you're going to compete against them. And do you have any like, – so you had not received entry into university yet? You still had to apply, right?
1: I, yes, I did. I have to do the whole application just like any other students.
0: Right. So did you have – this is a difficult question, I think. But so you, you ended up going to Harvard, which is obviously mm. a great result, right? But did you, mm. you must have applied to other places, right?
1: Yeah, I applied to 10 schools.
0: 10 schools. Yeah, fair enough. I think I'd done Mm. the same thing. Yeah. And like, what was that whole process like? Because this is going to get into Crimson in a second, right? Because I can see where this whole thing is leading. It's actually interesting to me now understanding Mm. what your view on this was, because now the way you perceive the way kids are trying to get into Harvard today via Crimson is kind of not similar, but there's Mm -hmm. at least a perspective there, right, that you have because you went through the same process.
1: Yes, no, it was very difficult. It was um, very daunting. And, um, you know, I I didn't have, there's some guidance that was provided by the school and right. there's some guidance provided by the Thai government as well in terms of they put us together in a camp and they have one or two kind of, you know, teacher counselor who's there to um, give us some guidance. But most of the time we kind of, you know, left to our own Um, left to ourselves to kind of figure out how to do things and, or ask, um, the seniors who have done it before. Um, so, you know, it was very intense. It was very stressful. Um, I think the test was not too bad for me because I grew up all my life taking tests every, you know, like Asian education are well known for their exams. So, (laughs) the test. (laughs) So the test bits, I'm well prepped for. I mean, even if, I think the hard part was like everything was in English, and I have to take an English exam, and that exam is, you know, the same exam that American students who, you know, have English as their um, mother tongue who have to take, right? So that was difficult because the test was difficult. But the concept of test taking was not difficult. There's also,
0: I believe, and again, I don't know this for sure, but I believe that there's a cultural bias in those questions in in those tests as well, right? Because the, particularly in the, you know, the math, it's hard to have a cultural bias, although not impossible. But Mm -hmm. the reading comprehension and the writing is very... And I don't think it's on purpose per se, but it is going to be biased because the people that are making the test are sitting somewhere in Princeton or something, right? And that just makes it harder.
1: Exactly. There's a lot of things that if you don't grow up in American context or use, you, you know, you just don't know. Like, you just don't know. Yeah. So so, the, so those English tests was hard. But I think for me, like, the hardest part was the other parts of the application. Because in Thailand, you just submit your score and then you get in.
0: Right. Right. It's, you take a it's test like you done or in. not done. That's it.
1: Right. But there's you don't have to write. I never write an essay in my life.
0: Oh, I didn't realize it, I didn't realize that. So you really?
1: That's well, our exam are multiple choice from you know grade one all the way to grade twelve. Wow, okay. We don't have to write an essay. We ne- we barely rarely had an assignment in that we have to write in an essay form, right? let alone English, which is not my, you know... Native language, yeah. My native language is, was very difficult for me. And I had to write an essay to talk about me.
0: <laughs> right, like, which, is yeah. also, which is also, you know, again, Asian culture is about, there's a lot of humility, right? So being humble. So writing great stuff about yourself is hard, I think for anybody, but particularly in that context, right? It's not a lot of me, me, me out here. Right. And that's hard to write about, I think.
1: I never write an essay about me. I write essay about... Various things, right. um, you know, for my scholarship exam, but but not about me. And I don't understand what Americans are looking for when it's like, oh, tell tell us about yourself or <laughs> things that you're proud of or your failure. Like, right. am I, you know, like what should I? How would I start? Like, what are they looking for? Yeah. What are the things that I should showcase myself? how would I condense my entire life to kind of 650 words? And, you know, th- those sorts of things. That, that was very tough for me to get started. And then when it comes to school selections, you know, I mean, obviously, there's a n- number of schools that I want to get in, right? Yeah. Like, Harvard is definitely on top of my list. Um, but what other schools? Like, do I need to have a safety school? What should my, be my safety school? Right. Like, what those sorts of questions, like, I've, um, ha- I don't really have any guidance. And, you know, like, it sounds bracky now, um, but in hindsight, I think I, you know, like my list of ten school, I I don't have a safety school. I applied to all Ivy League,
0: right? <laughs>
1: Plus MIT and Stanford. That's my ten school. <laughs> so I literally don't have a safety so, school.
0: I think we joked about this when we met, right? So MIT was your backup, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, something. So like, it was terrible. I I mean, looking back, I was like, that's so bad. I could have not get into any school and then, and be in a very bad situation because i just didn't know enough like that, that that's not the right way to go about it
0: but isn't that like and again this is me talking not you talking right but isn't that what a life of excellence is like mm-hmm. is that there is no safety school yeah but you don't have you to know. answer you don't have to answer that i know because it sounds like you said a little bit braggy but it's not in my mind like you know, it's like, what do you want your life to be like? And do you want to live a life of excellence and excelling? Or will you settle for something? And again, it's all about who you are, and how you believe in yourself, right? I mean, confidence is, you know, know, 90% of excellence is confidence, right? So like, I don't find that strange at all, to be fair. And maybe that's just because you and I fall into a similar category. But I do, I actually like the fact that you just said, you know what, never mind, here are the 10 things that I want to do. And if I if it doesn't happen, first of all, it's going to happen regardless. But if it doesn't happen, I'll figure something out.
1: Actually, I I didn't approach it with that mindset. Yeah, um, m-
0: maybe not. But that's that's how I do it. I just think that that's yeah. the way it works. But anyway, go ahead. I, I interrupted you.
1: No, that's um, so, so totally fine. I, I actually didn't interrupt. I, I didn't um, approach it with that mindset that, oh, you know, like, if I don't get to this school, I'm not going to go anywhere. Because I actually think there's tons of like, really great top schools in the U.S. There are, there uh, are outside of these 10 schools for sure uh, i just didn't know it enough right. i just didn't have the information and no one told me like hey pop look like you should consider some schools that you know are like safety school for you just to make sure that you know you'll get in somewhere because these schools are great top schools and you know it's never like a short sure thing for any student and no like you know i wish like i would know better and then i would put in a little bit of Kind of safety options in there. Um, you know, luckily it turns out fine. But um, you know, I got into a number of schools. But at the same time, I just felt like I went through that process, not knowing much, in a rush, in a crunch, and didn't do enough research. So you know, I'm I'm I've considered myself lucky that I came out on the other side okay. But I can I look back and I said, oh wow, it can, actually can, could have gone with. Re- you know, pretty bad as well.
0: Right. I mean, I want to give you a little bit of perspective, and then I want to talk about Crimson first for a bit. Yeah. Mm. When I was in high school, (laughs) obviously, there was no Internet. Um, And the only guide we had was something called the New York Times Guide to Colleges. Mm -hmm. And it came out every year. Mm -hmm. And you just had to kind of read through. It was a big book, and it tried to cover every college and rank them in the United States. And those rankings Mm -hmm. didn't change that often, but... Mm. It was just weird. It was like a three page write up on every school. And that's kind mm-hmm. of how you decided where you wanted to go.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: <laughs> just think about the implications of that today. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's an it's an interesting concept, like you said, like you didn't have enough information. How would you have known where to apply, where your strengths, you know, in math and science would take you and where the best place to continue to get educated would be. It's just an interesting concept. So, talk now, if you can, a little bit about how, like, what the idea is behind Crimson after all that background, which is amazing and I think leads in really nicely to kind of what you're doing today to a certain extent, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. you've done a bunch of things before that, right? A lot, you did some private Mm -hmm. equity stuff, some investment stuff, and, you know, it's not like you just graduated from school and went into this. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of other background there, but I think the conversation dovetails really nicely into. You know how do you get that information to students? How do you codify that, and how do you help if that 's what you 're trying to do? You mm-hmm. know, get people into the school of their choice, not just in the u s but globally yeah
1: yeah so um, I'll just give you a very bit brief, brief background and how I come about here so as i meant, as you mentioned I've, you know I work in uh, consulting management before I work in private equity quite for quite some times. And I think I got to the point where I was thinking what like, what I want to do in my next steps and you know, I wanna do something entrepreneurial. Um I'm a, I'm a mother of two as well. So I am very much into education, something I'm you know, want to pursue. Um so luckily and by chance I ran into Jamie Beaton, who's the founder of Crimson Education. Uh it was founded in Auckland, New Zealand actually. Right. And he's a Harvard this,
0: grad too, yes?
1: He's a Harvard grad too, and we ran into each other kind of Randomly at one of the case competition event and we start to talk about his company and his idea is, you know, New Zealand's quite far away from the rest of the world and you know, um, he felt like education is. The only place, it's it's like the way to kind of open doors for you, to make you know the world your global stage instead of like just New Zealand or Australia, you know, right next to you. Um so you know, he himself like applied to top universities around the world, get to them all, and then he felt like other kids can do it too. They just don't have someone to guide them to give them enough information. So that's how he started in New Zealand. When I met him, we'd start talking about it and I thought, oh that's amazing. I want to do the same. And I think the thing that's special about Crimson is we not just guide them about, you know, the application process, but, you know, I think the, the the good thing and the interesting about the U.S. application process is to actually really force students a lot of self-reflection
0: and self Yeah, it does, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, because you have to talk about yourself a lot. You have to look into what you've done in the past four years of your life, and that really reflects who you are and where your passion lies. And I think that journey of you preparing yourself for that application is also you growing as a person so we felt like you know by supporting and coaching them through those four years in their high school career um, not only would they be you know have a high chance of being successful in the application process but they will actually grow as a person as well you know learning a lot of like good um, life skills that they would need down the line like time management project management collaboration uh, public speaking etc um, so I spoke to Jamie about it. I thought, was wow, that was really interesting. Um, you know, I think my Thai students really, really need this because the stuff that um you know kids that um students that that Trison work with in New Zealand, which were able to achieve um was just kind of incredible. you know, they were able to move um, Auckland from you know sending you know few students to top u s school a year, top Ivy League school a year to you know become one of the highest per capita in the world um, that sends students um, to Ivy League schools. So, and I, then, you know, we believe Crimson is a big part of that. Um, so that's how the conversation started. Then I, I said, oh, let me, you know, open up the, the Bangkok office, the Thailand office, because I think uh, Thai students do have a lot of potential. They're smart. They work hard. They just need the right guidance. They need the right um, advice. You know, how would they present themselves? Because oftentimes we Thai Asians doesn't know how to present themselves that would match with the expectations of Americans, right? You know, right. the mission officers who sit across on the other side of the continent. Or we don't understand how we will balance our academics with other things, Your activities, your extracurricular activities that would actually, you know, showcase who you are, not just as the student, academic student, but, you know, where your passions lie and what you, what you can bring to the, to school, to campus, right? Mm -hmm. So those sorts of things, I think Thai students need more guidance, more advice. And that's where, um, I felt like we can, we can be that, we can do that. Um, and, um, you know, and, and, and giving my, my own experience, right, in terms of, you know, how difficult it was during the application process, how I was kind of, you know, shocked, I guess, for the first time to see the application form and said, oh, please write down 10 activities that you have done, you know. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I, well, a good thing that I was an activity student, that I've done a number of things, but a lot of my peers aren't because that's not really part of our high school. Um, kind of culture that you do a lot of things outside of classroom the culture is study hard get good grades and then you get to university and that was a culture Um, so I think you know if you were to aim for US University you have to shift that mindset a bit that they will look at you holistically you know in the various aspects of your life not just your academic and how would you adjust you know, your planning in high school to kind of fit that so that you can position yourself a little bit better. And I think that's where we come in. And that's why I feel like, you know, Thai students um, and Thai parents as well need more information, need better understanding in terms of, you know, what college you're looking for and how can you make this process about self-growth and self-learning and not just like, you know, the end, the result is the end all be all. Because there's a lot, you know, people tend to treat this process as the end result and all be all, and I'm, I'm right. somewhat sad sometimes to to see when people take that mentality because you you kind of take away the benefit of going through this journey of, of self learning and self reflection.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it's a lifelong thing. I think, right? Your your self reflection doesn't end after your four years in high school, and frankly, after your four years in college either, or your four years in university. Right? That yeah. type of self reflection should be a sort of a constant thing that you're doing. And it does, as you said, really nicely lead into personal growth as well, right? So it's not just looking backwards, it's looking forwards and figuring out how can I take the sum total of my experiences and, you know, make them even better and accelerate them by doing something that I really enjoy doing and learning something in this case that I really enjoy learning.
1: Yep, that's right. Yeah, so that's that's where know, that, I think that's really why we we want I want to start personally want to start uh, Crimson in Thailand, uh-huh. and then, you know, pretty happy to see like our student grow as a person. Um, you know, I I think like one of the like you know, it always make my day when parents email us and said you know, thanks so much for you know your encouragement or your support. You know you know, my daughter like went back to participating in this club for the first time and she was, you know, and she was excited and she did well because you guys are giving her the right training and coaching and now she had the confidence to continue. So those sorts of like feedbacks of, you know, what made us really happy or, you know, parents saying like, you know, we've seen like our kids coming out of their shell and was able to, you know, gain confidence to take charge or be more independent. Those sorts of like, you know, feedbacks are making us, like, really happy. I think it's just, you know, when they get into top school, of course, we're very happy. But I think those little things, like when parents are saying, I see the change in our child, I see the change in my children, that's when, like, it really makes my day.
0: It's really awesome. And when you fast-forward that a little bit too, right, when those kids end up in the United States or in Europe at a a really top-flight program, Mm -hmm. you know, they won't experience at the same level that sort of consternation you had of, like, how do I fit into this group or do I need a group or everybody else feels so independent because now they've been sort of taught and guided prior to getting there that that sort of self-sufficiency and independence is what people are going to expect of them anyway as sort of top-flight students.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so do you, do you see yourself a little bit in these students and does that help you? Like that whole personal experience that you explained over you know, the first half of our conversation seems like it perfectly positions you to be able to help these kids do that.
1: Yeah, no, I like I I I feel like I get to live through them again. I, you know, I think I, in a way, those are sort of kind of like my the golden years of my life in a sense. Right. Like the you know, um, and I'm I get to live through their eyes again. I get to you know be part of like you know the opportunity is endless. It's not saying I don't have the opportunity right now, but you know when you're kind of think about like oh, I'm going to study, where I'm going to go, it's just you know the first step of your export you know, exploration, I think. And, you know, to be part of that journey, for me, it's kind of share that, you know, share both the anxiety, but then, you know, the the fun, and kind of, you know, the, the things that you were looking forward to with them. So, I think for me, um, it was really fun to to be part of the journey, and to learn with them. I've learned so much, like, you know, have been working with Crimson for the past uh, year and a half. Just, I'd love to learn new things every day. And for me, that's, that's like the never stop learning, the the right. you know the the joy of learning. It's 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 I think makes this job so much fun, and I think that's why. And we try to get that into our students as well. It's like you know, learning should be fun and should never stop. And if you keep doing that, you're gonna you're gonna do well in whatever you do. And for me, having you know. Getting to learn new things every day in this job—it just makes it, you know, very fulfilling and very fun for me.
0: Yeah, I mean that vicarious experience, right? It almost makes you feel like you're 18 or 19 again, and it's not, it's not a bad thing. And you know, I always say like the scariest person is someone who thinks they're, you know, 25 but has the experience of a 35 or a 40 year old, right? It's really powerful, and just being able to get those new experiences and get those new perspectives, learn, like you said, new things all the time it's a- it's a virtuous circle, right it keeps building on itself, and if you can teach that to the students and the kids as well, that's really powerful too I think, because yeah. they can see it in you right
1: yeah, I mean you know we hope to we and, and not just me right I think everyone in our team like we will try really hard to be our role model for our students um you know we spend tremendous amount of energy thinking about what can we do better, like what can we what our student needs, right, beyond academics. Because I think academics is very straightforward. Uh, You know, we try to support them in academics. But beyond academics, right, like, you know, we, we try to think, do they need to be coached in conflict resolution? Do they need to be coached in how they handle the stress? Do they need to be coached in time management? Do they need to be coached in how to, you know, delegate work to their friends? And a lot of other kind of teenage related issues, right? Because we we see ourselves more than just, you know, someone who guide them through application process, but really their coach and their mentor. And, you know, I think for many of us and everyone in my team, um, that's what we love to do, and that's what we love to see. Um, so, yeah, like, and, and for us to be able to do that, we constantly have to educate ourselves. We constantly have to talk to people who are experts in these various, um, you know, disciplines to be able to allow us to help our students in a way that we think they may need help, basically.
0: That is just a fabulous story.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. thank you no really that's fabulous and actually i don't want to end i have so many more questions but i think on that note that is the perfect way to finish if that's okay with you
1: yeah no absolutely thank
0: you yeah Palma, have... that was really a great conversation and i really appreciate your time really do you want to just tell people how they can get in touch with crimson because like i learned something today as well remember you and i spent about an hour and a half or maybe two hours talking mm-hmm. a while back but you know that whole concept of not just coaching the kids about how to get into school you said something really interesting to me the academics are really straightforward but sort of the life management the crisis management the stress management all of these things are things that i think people really need to get taught and don't generally come up in teaching until much later in life and in some ways it's too late
1: mhm that's absolutely right like you know we have professional development when you go to workplace right about right. communication you know like work style why, why can't we teach our kids a little earlier? I think this is important. And I started to see that, um, coming in through some of the more advanced international school now these days, yes, um, because yes, yes. my kids are international school, but some schools are still, you know, not teaching these things at school. I think it's so, so important. And this is what, you know, we spend a lot of our energy, um, you know, thinking about how we can help our kids, um, doing better, um, across all this area. That's yeah. Awesome. Great. So, um, you know, just to drop a note, if you are want to learn more about us, Crimson Education, um, you can just type CrimsonEducation.org, go to our website. Um, if you just type Crimson Education across any social media platform, YouTube, um, Facebook, Instagram, um, you can pretty much find us anywhere. So um, and then our, ban- our office in Bangkok is in our Malink 8th floor. Feel free to drop by and say hi to us as well.
0: That was awesome. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much, Michael. Very nice talking to you this morning. You've
0: been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at
1: www.asiatechpodcast.com.